0: hello and welcome to another episode of innovation deciphered uh, today we're lucky to be joined by adam Andeski, who is a senior lecturer and pathway lead for technology and fashion at ravensbourne university we talk about how two traditional industries fashion and construction are on similar paths looking to embrace a digital first approach to design the impact this has on innovation and how this is impacting the cultures of two different but very similar industries. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please do like, subscribe, share the episode and do let us know in the comments below any thoughts or questions you may have. Hi Adam, thanks for joining us uh, on today's episode of Innovation Deciphered, and we're going to talk today uh, about how sort of technology is changing uh, approaches to design innovation uh, in what are you know quite traditional and should we say old uh, industries. Um, you know, your background predominantly in uh, the creative industries and fashion, mm-hmm. mining, construction, uh, two industries that you would think are very different, uh, but actually when you start digging into how they work and how they operate, uh, they're actually quite similar. Um, but you've, um, especially over the last couple of years, uh, really focused on uh, on trying to change mindsets and change approaches uh, in, in those creative industries and trying to embrace digital.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so my background is um, I'm a, a creative director. Uh, I did um, my BA in the US uh, at FIT, and then I did a master's in... Um, Uh, fashion design, uh, and women's wear at Central St. Martins. Um, And I run my own label, and I've worked for Brands in Paris as a creative director. And most recently, um, I'm working now uh, in Ravensbourne University, London, um, as both the senior lecturer on the BA pathway in uh, 2D theory, but I'm also working as a um, pathway leader on the new digital technology for fashion pathway, which is essentially a bolt-on onto the new onto the BA um, fashion pathway, or BA fashion course at Ravensbourne University. So basically, we built this um, digital pathway uh, due to the new technology that has been bursting onto the scene in terms of uh, digitization of garments. Um, <clears throat> we've seen that students are much more interested in inserting new uh, design ideas uh, or technology into their workflows to create the new, new design ideas, whether it's for um, increased sustainability, uh, increased uh, efficiency, and in how they actually create uh, or, or ideate during their design process. Um, but a lot of them, it, they're interested in having a completely new outcome. So for instance, with these new technologies, what we use now uh, and what we've started to incorporate is things like CLO3D, which is a um, digitization technology where you can simulate uh, cloth physics inside of a, um, a platform. So you take the uh, original sort of um, uh, 2D cutout of what a garment would be, and then you can sew it all together within the platform, and you can digitize how it's going to look before you actually were to cut it out in real life. And why this is so exciting is because... There is a steep learning curve when it comes to uh, that initial understanding of how patterns fit together, how they fit on the body, and there is a lot of waste that happens in that process. So, also students can get extremely frustrated. If you had to add add on six centimeters to the bottom of a hem, it's not as easy as just grabbing the hem inside of the program and dragging it down. Uh, That measurement, what you have to do is you have to add another piece of paper, you have to attach it, you have to make sure the measurement's right, you have to make sure everything's blocked. Um, so, it gives them that sort of same interface understanding that they're used to almost like how they use maybe not a phone, but more like their laptop. So if they're working in something like Photoshop and they just want to enlarge the piece, that same principle they can do in a program like clow 3D or Marvelous Designer. So it just gives them uh, it's an intuitive understanding of um, how they can use those tools to really build out that process quickly. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, some students love it. Some students find it a hindrance, but the ones who really are interested in it end up creating outcomes that are completely different than what we thought we were teaching them for. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I said, the first things that we thought about in terms of bringing this technology on board was it's going to make their process more sustainable. You're going to use less paper. You're going to have less, um, uh, fabric use for twalls. Uh, you're also going to be able to make more variations so that you could test out different shapes within the program prior to actually deciding on cutting. Uh, because you know, once you start to take those patterns from paper to fabric, it's a long process. And if things are off and you need to change them even by a little bit, you have to go back and redo mm-hmm. all the patterns again. But in this program you can do this a lot quicker. Um, so that was the first basis of us bringing it into it. But like I said, it quickly became apparent that they were using this new technology to create uh, outcomes that didn't necessarily have to do with specific qualities of, of, of efficiency or sustainability. It was about, um, could I make something that actually couldn't exist in the real world? Could I bend the physics of this program and create garments that... Uh, you couldn't create in any other setting. Could I then, you know, change the avatars to a sort of non-human looking avatar? It it became more creative than we had um, initially thought of when we started to pull this together. And then you add on top of that in the last year and a half, you've got generative AI. So now they've started to pull Mm -hmm. that in, uh, which is a whole, you know, Mm -hmm. other conversation. But, (laughs) I mean, we've basically found that the most exciting thing about this course and about this new technology is how, like I said, the students use it outside of the scope and the remit of what we had essentially thought would be the end product of it. So, what we're trying to do now is um, we have a new MA that we're launching at Ravensbourne as well that deals specifically with these new technologies and it's very much a kind of sandbox approach. So, I'll teach you how to use Unreal. We'll teach you how to build Mm -hmm. an environment with it. We'll teach you how to build your garments digitally. We'll teach you how to adjust your avatars. Um, You know, add animations to it. And then it's up to you. What do you make out of that? Maybe you make a a marketing piece. Maybe you make some sort of actual um, digital environment that you can interact with. Maybe you work collaboratively. So it's all of those together. And they're
0: quite different skill sets to what, you know, 10 years ago, you probably thought would be required in the industry. You know, Unity, um, Unreal, uh, and the likes, they're all, you know, more in the gaming uh, and CGI and things like that. You never really traditional industries would have thought about their applications, but, you know, you, you've some great examples there. There are great examples of uh, the construction industry using it to build things that people didn't think could be built before. Mm-hmm. It is giving, like you say, the the sandbox approach this this opportunity for people to push the boundaries while always being able to use the technology to test the constructability of what they're doing. And that must be sort of quite exciting for students, I'm sure.
1: It is. And I mean, you know, going back to the construction aspect of it, <clears throat> I can't help but think that there's a, there's this really interesting parallel mirror here where, you know, I have students who their first... Um, interest in fashion and and these are admittedly very like young students maybe they're just coming into foundation Uh, but uh, even younger than that students who are thinking about fashion i'm speaking to their first access point or entry point would have been through gaming Mm. so i have a a a, a friend her son walter he's interested in doing fashion not because he saw runway shows or that he's even that, that interested in actual fabric or garments but he's obsessed with Roblox, and he builds garments on Roblox. And what I think is interesting is, I mean, that's an entirely different entry point into that industry. In the same way that with construction, is it there's is there a Minecraft entry point into? Okay, well now I want to build you know structures out of this, and then it starts leading into architecture. So I think it only makes sense to start to pull this technology into. These design workflows because the students are already using it, even if it's just a very basic kind of limited technology. You don't get a lot of um, uh, ability to change much outside the parameters of, you know, the Roblox um, uh, garments. I mean, you can put, uh, uh, you, you change colors, you can put uh, decals, graphics, all this sort of thing. Mm. But you know, really, actually changing it and, and building your own structure of it, um, you need those other programs going forward. But like I said, I think what's so interesting is that
0: that's a completely new entry point now. Well, I'll agree (coughs) and disagree with you. I think it's sort of interesting, but I don't think it's a new entry point. I just Mm -hmm. think it's an entry point that our industries are becoming better at understanding there's an opportunity here to talk because Mm -hmm. you look back and you think of things (coughs) like SimCity or The Sims, you know, great examples of gaming where people have been building stuff, dressing people up, choosing avatars and skins Mm -hmm. for decades. Um, I mean, Roblox and Minecraft is a little bit more, um, uh, you can do a lot more, you can sort of customize a a lot more, and I guess you can interact with friends while doing it a lot more. Mm -hmm. But that idea of sowing the seeds of interest in your industry using gaming, Mm -hmm. we should have, I think, been doing it a lot longer than we have been. There just seems to be a bit more of a light bulb moment, probably because we're using technologies Mm -hmm. in the day job more, That have those similarities than previously. Um, But you would, you know, I think it's uh, something that we should have been pulling on uh, a lot earlier as industries. I think the reason that fashion hasn't
1: is because there's been a kind of disconnect between jumping on that technology as quickly as possible and also not exactly understanding if just because you like the sims if that leads into fashion Mm -hmm. itself i know a lot of people like Sims, but i can't really think of anyone who ever had then decided to do fashion after they've all gone into gaming whereas with roblox i'm actually seeing people wanting to do fashion now so that's where i'm like there's that's where it feels like there's something changed changed. yeah there's a change there but i think maybe that could also be because we actually have programs now where then you can create more advanced garments in it whereas if you actually wanted to do that Prior to it, we then just want to go
0: into gaming. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so how, um, so we've discussed before, you know, these are very traditional industries that we're both uh, sort of talking about an experience. And, you know, it's something radically different, you know, people feel comfortable drawing mm-hmm. uh, and then sort of, you know, physically sort of um, cutting out the garment, building it, stitching it all together. You're moving to a digital um digital first approach mm-hmm. uh, to sort of design and innovation where you can't touch and feel it people don't always trust it how is that sort of mindset change um being taken up in, in the fashion industry or is there barriers being put up uh, around your approach i mean there's still barriers in terms
1: of the tactility of fabrication so i'm not sure when that's going to be solved i mean there's Certain startups talking about working with fabric and haptic gloves and those sorts of things, but I think that's a big barrier still, mm. um because a lot of designers, traditional designers that I know who are from my age bracket and my generation, collections. 20 like Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, their collections start with fabrication, so you know you'll go to a, a big trade show like PV and then you'll be buying those fabrics and then you build that collection out of it. Um, so. Bringing in those digitization process for that generation doesn't exactly work, but I think for the younger it does because it starts in the opposite way, where the fabrications are then added to the garments after, which then change the physics, which then they can decide how to change uh, the cut of that garment depending on the pieces that they add to it. I mean, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting startups that are coming out as well that are trying to turn fabrics into um, particle, uh, what is it, PBR is particle-based um, I can never remember the acronym for it basically it's a digitization of a piece of fabric that then has all the qualities of it so it has all the maps uh, so they can bring in i think so they there's model
0: behavior as well yeah, exactly it's so that.
1: it's not just a mask that goes over the top of the garment it actually changes the physics of the garment so it hangs differently mm. um i think as those uh, technologies get better uh mm. i think you'll have more people engaging with it i do still think that Right now, it's just going to be that thing where as the new generation phases into the industry, you'll just start to see more of those design process processes brought with them because I just think that... And I've been seeing that the older generation, not a lot of them really want to work with this because they don't feel that it's not the same type of creativity for them in that way. There's a romanticism around, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to sketch yeah. the whole thing out. It may not be the most efficient. It may not even be the best way of doing
0: it, but that is how many of those designers want to function going forward. And there's obviously as well a change in uh, in what people want um, mm-hmm. you know people are becoming more uh, thoughtful in terms of wanting a more circular economy approach, sustainability is becoming more something that people need and want rather than a sort of a nice to have mm-hmm. how do you think that feeds into the whole sort of move towards a digital first approach? Um if at all.
1: I mean, I I think that in terms of sustainability and circularity, five years ago, these would have been key points of difference for a brand to stand out in in the uh, public sphere. So you would say, oh, I'm a t-shirt brand, but then I have a, a circular sustainable approach. I think that with, at least what I've seen with the students that are coming up in the younger generation, that's not a difference between a brand. Now that is just a requirement. Mm -hmm. So they're already, already and always thinking about the circularity and the sustainability of their process. Um, I think that with this, with these, this sort of technology, they can better signal that they're, or they can better, um, uh, present, uh, their process, uh, showing how they are more sustainable and are more circular. Um, and how they put their garments together, and how their process becomes more efficient. Um, but I don't think that, uh, from what I've seen, they don't look at the technology in that way to m- make them stand out in a sustainable environment. Because everyone, because they they believe that everything should be sustainable yeah. anyways. There's no, oh, you know, maybe they could be more sustainable. That will be uh, something that they would use technology for it to bolt on um, but
0: their baseline now is that it has to be in some way. Well, like you say, um, using the technology reduces waste and all those type of things that, I mean it's good to hear that, you know, sustainability is almost built in now, right? mm-hmm. sort of, you know, a starting point um, which is great to hear and see that more and more industries are, are, are becoming more focused uh, around it, a uh, better understanding of where materials come from what's in the materials all these type of things that people have taken for granted or not been as interested in and becoming more and more important across all the industries mm-hmm. i mean what next though where, where do you see the technology taking the industry over the next sort of five ten years uh, and further on if you can look that far i think
1: we've been seeing um and i think this is with any creative field um there's been uh A lot of interest in generative AI and how students can add that into their process. Right now, it's I think that we're going to see that addition much more going forward. Um, I think it's it's going to really depend on though if the designers within both you know that design field and even broader design fields feel that using that sort of technology is worthwhile to them in terms of, do I actually feel like I'm creating something? Mm -hmm. The funniest thing was we had this big workshop with the final year students. So they had just created all of their collections and they had photo shoots of each garment that they had done. And we brought in Stability AI and we showed them how to use dream uh, studio So Stability came in and did a demo for them and then gave them credits, and then they all uh, basically took some of those images that they had used, that they had made um, of their final garments, and then they used Stability and Stable Diffusion to adjust them. And they had a great time and they loved it. But the strangest thing after was two of the students came up to me and said, well, we really like it, but we like to do it at the end of the process, after we actually designed the garment, because they had felt that it was cheating. And I hadn't thought about it in that way before. I just thought, well, it makes your process more efficient. But for, I think there's an underlying thing that with this technology, it still has to feel for them at this point, like they're learning something. And with a lot of the generative stuff, I don't think that they get the feeling Mm -hmm. that they're learning a skill. And there's where I think there's a very interesting line where I'm not sure what happens next. Because, okay, if they kept saying, well, could somebody design something exactly like this? And it's like, well, actually, you came up with the idea up to this point, and then it's working off your idea, so it would be very difficult to get that same pose, and it would be a very long time to get to that point. Um, And... They had felt that because of that amount of work they had done, it had become something more worthwhile. And they loved what they had made after, and it was great. And They put it all on Instagram, and it was really exciting. But I haven't seen any of them actually put it in their portfolios, mm. which is really surprising. It's
0: using it to refine
1: rather than replace. Exactly. It's And a lot of them would say, Oh, I wish I had this so that I could basically figure out sort of different ideas, and then I would go back and resketch things again on top of it.
0: I guess when it comes to AI and the creative industries, one of the things that people are most concerned about is this idea of ownership Mm -hmm. of uh, the idea and where does that and and how can you keep that creativity uh, in in a world where a bot can come up with a thousand ideas a second or something ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm. And that must be, I guess, a concern for new students coming through and something that I know you're thinking of, um, sort of separately from the university as well. It is.
1: um, I think it's one of those things where the way we try to approach it at Ravensbourne is that it is essentially a tool that can be used to augment the creative process going forward. And that in order to essentially own what you're creating, there has to be other touch points of creativity outside of that process that makes it distinct enough so that it is not just the program building it for you. Um, We have a student who uh, has used those processes to change prints and textures on digital fabrications because of an underlying condition that they have that makes it very difficult for them to um, efficiently design in the traditional sense. Sketching and draping is very difficult for them, but working with building sort of um, basic prints with just color splotches, and then taking those prints into uh, a system like Stable Diffusion and then adjusting them, then suddenly the student can create um, abstract uh, uh, paintings, you know, Renaissance um, type florals that then they can take directly into their uh, digital designs that they've made on Clo. So, I think in that way of using it, I think it, it makes complete sense. And I think that you'll see over time a change in, um, I think it, it, there's going to be a change in uh, uh, interest in it, but it's going to depend on how much human interaction is in that actual process. So, that's what we're really focusing on at the moment is making sure that if you do use it, it can't be for the whole thing. It can't just be that you're just going to keep typing in iteration after iteration after iteration because at the end of the day, if you actually have to make that garment, do you know how to make any of it? Do you know what the seaming going to be? Um, but I think for the wider um, implications for the fashion industry, yes, it, makes your, it can make your process more sustainable and efficient, absolutely. And it can generate thousands of more ideas, thousands of more ideas um, than you could have ever before. But then I also just sort of fall back on the default thing of, you know, we've had clothing for thousands of years and we still haven't figured out a better way of attaching it together than punching holes through it and running string. So I don't really see that changing anytime soon. The entire process up to actually the construction is, is going to be augmented, but you're still going to have to know how all of that works together. Otherwise you're not even going to be able to get to that point where you can make anything. No, and I agree.
0: I think you know AI, especially everyone is worried it replaces, but it augments. You you look at some of the industries that are further on with their you know embracing technology. Um, yeah, you, you look at the motor industry, F one uh, and the likes. You know they've got more people now than they ever have. Mm. Um, they just use AI and technology and robotics and what have you to improve the manufacturing process to be more focused, more more precise but ultimately it is you know people like adrian Newey are still as important now as they were 20 30 years ago to to that design and mm-hmm. um, to to that idea generation and to pointing the technology in, in, in the right direction and i don't think that'll that'll change anytime soon
1: no no i mean i think the exciting things about ai even in the production process where prior to this you would never have been able to where it's very difficult to run a company on a sort of make-on-demand kind of uh, um, uh, structure unless it's a very simple like, okay, we're just going to print decals on T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, cutting things out for uh, uh, different body sizes, a bit different body shapes is extremely um, uh, costly and it's a long process. But if you were able to then just map that through AI and then have that cut, when you want to buy that piece it starts to change everything and i think it becomes uh you know more widely inclusive in in those terms going forward so i think that there's a lot of applications in the production process where it mm. could be really exciting but like you said i mean i think in terms of design it's very much about the augmentation mm. of um you know their process in terms of
0: efficiency sustainability and in some points creativity thanks for that it's been a, a really interesting conversation and i do Always find it interesting when we start talking parallels uh, between um, what people would consider industries that have nothing uh, alike. When you actually dig into uh, the, the the cultures, the thought process, the, the how they work, uh, they're they're very similar. And I think we're both on similar paths in terms of um, trying to adopt. Uh, a more digital technology first approach to uh, to design to to innovation Uh, if there was one sort of key takeaway one thing that you think people should look into consider what 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 would your you know if students were asking you where do i start where would you point them uh i would just ask them to think about
1: what they would want as the outcome is it about um making a more sustainable design process is it about making something that you know couldn't exist in real life is it about making a more exciting ad campaign uh you know a different sort of case study for a brand in a world that never existed before Mm. Uh, i think if you start to think about it in those terms then you can start to narrow down what sort of technology you could use to really um you know build out that vision going forward. So it's very much
0: about, you know, what is it you're trying to accomplish and then what are the tools to use to get you there. All right, fantastic. Well on that, thank you very much for joining us and that's another episode of Innovation Deciphered Done.